I plan to go to sleep. I plan to stay in. I plan not to do anything. I plan to get ready for work the next day, New Year's Day, so I can be right here with you on KFI AM640. Once again, in for Gary and Shannon. But we'll get back into that a little bit later. Let's find out what's trending. Time for What's Happening. New Year's Eve parties are trending. Imagine that. But also today, especially in this Los Angeles area, people are a buzz with this Pac-12 Big Ten matchup that is not going to be as part of the Rose Bowl as it traditionally is, but is going to be the Cotton Bowl tonight. My USC Trojans, and yes, I said my, my USC Trojans are going to be taking on the hated Ohio State Buckeyes. Classic rivalries. Both teams are ranked in the top 10. It won't be with national championship implications, but all sorts of pride implications. I have long been a USC football fan. They are my college football team. I want them to destroy the Buckeyes. And, Deborah, you seem like you might have a little interest in well, this game. Well, no, I actually don't, but you sound just like Jane Wells because I worked oh, with yes, her the yes, other day. And, yes. I mean, you know, she's a crazy <laughs> yes. USC fan. We talk about her all the time. Yeah, so I was just I was just sort of channeling Jane when I'm listening to you. I have always been reticent to get high on the Trojans, if only because they have been so disappointing in recent years. And I say disappointing because they've always had great recruiting classes They've never measured up to the potential. They have possibly the number one overall pick in the draft next year, Sam Darnold, as their quarterback. If he should leave, he'll probably be number one or number two. In fact, Josh Rosen of UCLA quarterback will be in that conversation as well. Meaning they've had superior talent relative to the rest of the Pac-10, excuse me, Pac-12, but they always find some way to lose a couple of times and then be out of the running for the final four playoff at the end of the season. Like this year. Right. This is a big game, the cotton bowl. And of course, with the historical rivalry between SC and Ohio state, if you know anything about college football, it's deep, it's serious. And history is going to be made tonight because fortunes and careers and legacies are made in games like these. We so have, stressful. Oh, yeah. Not for me. No, um, but for the players and the <laughs> yeah. coaches and the owners. Absolutely. And I've always wondered, and I say this with great respect, I wondered when they gave Clay Helton, who's now the head coach for SC, whether the job was too big for him. If only because he wasn't a name, he was a part of the coaching staff for Steve Sarkeesian, his predecessor. He was the interim coach and then just held on after that. And I've wondered and second-guessed him at many points along the way whether the job was too big for him. A win tonight would silence a lot of critics like me. A loss tonight would validate a lot of critics like me. These are the games that may be difficult, 
but if you're actually a, a top five program or a potential national playoff program, you got to win these games. It sends a message to media. It sends a message to future recruits. It lets everyone know who is or is not ready for the big stage. And I felt he's been outcoached in certain games this year in which they've lost. So hopefully he'll prove me wrong. I hope he proves you wrong. Go SC, fight on. Fight That's the on. First thing. <laughs> and if you're into the royal news, uh, the royal wedding coming up, uh, Prince Harry and also Meghan Markle. Meghan Markle is someone I've known of in an acting sense for many years because her most prominent work was on the series Suits. And I love that show. I never, I have never watched oh, it. It is a fantastic legal drama. Quality show. Quality, Quality show. I didn't watch nearly enough of it, and I need to catch up and all that kind of stuff, but it's a quality show. It is show. really good, and it has gotten progressive. It's one of the few shows, in my estimation, which got better as the seasons went on, as opposed to usually works in the other direction, and shows will jump the shark and run out of stories to tell. And there is a long, wide story arc for all of these characters, and specifically, her character has taken on a much larger role as she is now the fiancé of the principal character on the show. Would you say she's a good actress? Because I've never seen her in anything. Yes, and I've only seen her pretty much in Suits. I mean, I've gone back and then researched other things she's been in and said, oh, she's been in that. But Suits has been her, her her, her main most recognizable role, and I've liked her in it. And from what I've read today, she's been short. She was shortlisted as the next Bond girl on the shortlist for for Bond twenty five. Well, so, now she'll get it. Well, <laughs> yeah, she'll get it, but she won't be able to do the role. I know they're not going to let a, a future Duchess out there in a bikini, whatever, kissing on Daniel Craig, what have you. Although things are changing, you never know. I always wondered whether she would be able to continue her acting career on any level. I think they'll probably have to literally kill off her character on the show because that's about the only way they can reasonably explain how they're going to get married one day and the next moment she's no longer around. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know if they've already filmed any episodes for this upcoming season, but you know that obviously that storyline has to come in to an abrupt end. You don't think the queen will just say, go ahead, it's no. okay? No, I, I, from what I've seen, the royal family's been very particular about how princesses and, and duchesses represent them. And I don't know if they'll allow her to do kissing scenes and what type of thing. Oh, right. You know. Yeah, that would be a little too risque. But you never know. I mean, we're you know, it's modern times here. It was, but also her co-star who played her fiancé um, on the show, there was a photo of him just kissing her on the cheek on his Instagram. And he received all sorts, Patrick Adams, all sorts of pushback and negativity. And so he shut down his Instagram and Twitter account, at least for a short time because of that, obviously removed the photo. And I'm not saying that that criticism came specifically from the royal family, but that's the type of scrutiny that she will now be under in every single way, having nothing to do with, uh, you know, just her acting career, just everything that she wears, everything she says, whether it's in alignment with British royal tradition, and so forth. Are you surprised that the queen is allowing her to become part of the royal family because she is an actress and American? That goes to your point of times are a-changing. 
and maybe they've relaxed some some sense of those formalities. Well, that's why I'm wondering if maybe they'll let her continue her career. It's, you know, maybe a scaled down version of it. Maybe, maybe it, 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 this is the first time we've had to even ask the question. Now we're in a much more media driven world, and I think it it does nothing but positive things as far as being a window into the royal family, which we've not had since Princess Diana. We've wanted to have that with Kate Middleton, Pippa, whoever, but we don't have that in the same way or that we did with Princess Diana. And since she will be a duchess and someone who's from Hollywood, it could be a, a different way because we've been looking for someone to idolize here in America from the royal family for quite some time in the way that we did Princess Diana. Not saying that she's going to be the next Princess Diana, but she has the ability to have that type of following. By the way, do you watch Net- the Netflix show, The Queen? No. Oh, it's really good. I have, I have a question. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. I mean, <laughs> it's just, you know, if you like the royals. Right. Yeah, I, I'm not too into the, to the royal thing. I mean, I was into this if only because, oh, Meghan Markle, I have... A frame of reference okay, for gotcha. her specifically. If it was Lisa Johnson, I, I don't know. Probably wouldn't care. <laughs> okay. Who is the uh, the they in this situation that wouldn't let her continue to act? Because Harry seems like a pretty chill dude. Well, clearly, just choosing a woman, and let's be honest, she's of mixed ancestry. She's a divorcee, you know, older than him by four years. He obviously has to have the largest say in all this because she is not traditional in terms of being a duchess in any way. But does like anybody does, I guess who would, who would pull the trigger on that? In other words, as far as right, uh, I would say Prince Charles probably. Okay. So he gets to like, be like, Hey, you're not allowed to go act kind of thing. Or is it like, I think he would be more involved. The, The sense that I get is he would be the one who would be the decision maker more so than the queen at this point. Okay, because like I was trying to think of like from the now obviously we don't know the we don't know Prince right. Harry by right. any means and we don't know what their relationship is like, but we've gotten from past experiences that he's a pretty uh, not not as strict and stringent as a lot of royals are in life, and that's why I say that right, yeah, because I don't I, I don't get the sense from him that he'd be like, hey, uh, Megan, you don't get to act anymore. Yeah, we're gonna find out very quickly though. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. I'm Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Mo Kelly here in for Gary and Shannon. And by now, you've probably heard the horrible news that a three-year-old boy fiddling with a stove ignited a raging blaze that killed at least a dozen people, including four children under the age of seven inside a Bronx apartment building. The child's mother, in rushing to safety with her son and her two-year-old, left their apartment door open, creating a lethal condition where flames shot up the stairway of the five-story building in mere seconds. Now, we'll hopefully we'll find out more from Tara Palmieri, who is ABC News correspondent. Tara, it's good to talk to you again. I wish it was under better circumstances. Right. But do we know anything more in terms of, we know that the child was playing with burners on a stove but do we know what ignited first 
Well, we know it was a stove that ignited, but the problem was that the mother, when she took her three-year-old and, and her other child out of, the, out of her own apartment on the first floor, she left the door open, and this caused the fire to spread more rapidly up the stairs. Uh, the commissioner, the fire commissioner, described the stairs as chimneys. Uh, with the fire being attracted to the air and that it had just spread so quickly, even though the fire department arrived within three minutes. I've read that there might have been a problem with the building smoke detector smoke alarms on the first floor. Have you seen anything to that effect? The housing authority said that they appeared to be functional, but they're still looking into it. From here, are we sure that the death toll will not rise or are people in critical condition and that number may change as the day goes on or days go on? There are four people in critical condition and seven people who are are injured. Um, So it's unclear, but it does seem like these people are not in great shape. When, where do we go from here? Is the investigation concluded in terms of at least the cause of the fire and at least the, 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 the status of the building, or is there more which needs to be investigated? I'm sure there's always more to be investigated in a situation like this, but it seems like it was a child playing with a fire. Uh, what really they need to figure out is how can they help with future buildings, making sure that the smoke detectors are active, the carbon monoxide um, detectors are active. It, the, the building's first floor, was report, their, their detectors were reported defective months ago. Um, so, you know, it's unclear if those, those issues were resolved. But the building did have a low history of repair violations, and it's just that these are old buildings, 100 years old. They don't have sprinkler systems inside of them like a lot of the new apartment buildings have. Last question. So from what you've told me today, it seems like there was really nothing which could have been done to prevent this. Fire department was there in three minutes, and with the exception of closing the door to keep the fire from getting into the stairwell, nothing really different could have been done. I mean, that was a huge fatal mistake, keeping the door open. So that that the that's something I think we can all learn from this. It's a sad, sad story. Sorry that we have to report on this. She's Tara Palmieri, ABC News correspondent. Tara, I've talked to her the past three days. Some (laughs) funnier stories than today. And we in California, we're super sensitive to any fire right about now. Right. Given that's all that's going on. Yeah. And for this, for the Christmas holidays, too, it's really, really sad. But we thank you for checking in with us on it. Thank you. Have a good day. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Drain the swamp. Swamp Watch 2017. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. It's the Gary and Shannon Show. Swamp Watch 2017 turning 2018. The last one of the year. Mo Kelly here. President Trump got on Twitter. Well, when did he ever get off Twitter? But he was on Twitter and he had a very interesting tweet recently. Quote, why is the United States Post Office, which is losing many billions of dollars a year, which is true, while charging Amazon and others so little to deliver their packages, which is true, making Amazon richer and the post office dumber and poorer. Not true. 
should be charging much more. Close quote. The president thinks that the post office, which has been suffering from financial issues for ever, forever in terms of they have to keep raising the cost of single envelope stamps and to mail packages and so forth. They've struggled in terms of trying to keep up in today's economic environment. The president was wondering out loud, why is it they do these deals with places like Amazon helping deliver their stuff and not charging what the president believes is a fair price or a more adequate price to help them, the U.S. Post Office, financially. That happened almost simultaneously to this other piece of news. President Donald Trump fired the remaining members of the Presidential Advisory Council on HIV and AIDS yesterday, reportedly informing them without explanation with a letter delivered by, wait for it, FedEx. Not the USPS, but FedEx. Not UPS, but FedEx. Remember the tweet I just read about supporting the United States Postal Service? And he fires his own HIV AIDS advisory council via FedEx. Not even a personal phone call. FedEx. I wonder if they had to sign for it. Here, sign right here for your letter from the president. Your services will no longer be needed. Needed. Uh, have a nice holiday season. The mass dismissal of the advisors marked uh, another moment in this presidency, which is hard for people to understand. Let me put it that way. In June, six members resigned from the council, writing in an open letter, which was published in Newsweek and other places, saying the Trump White House was push was pushing for legislation that would harm people living with HIV. Scott Skeddies, a Chicago-based HIV-AIDS activist and one of the members of the advisory panel who resigned over the summer, tweeted yesterday that the remaining council members had been fired for calling President Trump and Vice President Pence, quote-unquote, dangerous. Here's the tweet. Quote, remaining HIV-AIDS council members booted by real Donald Trump. No respect for their service, close quote. Quote, dangerous that Trump and Pence are eliminating a few remaining people willing to push back against harmful policies like abstinence-only sex ed, close quote. This is my question, and we know the president is very concerned with appearances. What was the message, and this is not rhetorical, what is the message that you think he was trying to convey by dismissing, by firing, by removing these council members in this fashion, in the way that he fired James Comey without him knowing in advance how he had to find out by watching TV or CNN. I'm quite sure this president is very particular about how he fires people. That's what he's known for. That's what he enjoys doing. In fact, that's how his bread is buttered, you could say. That's how many of people uh, today came to know Donald Trump in a contemporary sense, just by saying you're fired. And he has been very public about firing people and embarrassing people who either leave his administration 
or leave councils connected to his administration. So I wonder what would be the upside or what would be the point of dismissing people in such a dismissive way? I wonder what he gains by doing something like this. I wonder if he gains something like this. Does he gain the respect of his peers? Does he gain the respect of people in his cabinet? Does he then inspire people who are presently working for him or working with him to work harder? I would always wonder, and let me put this in a purely corporate matrix, because we know that Donald Trump is very familiar with corporate America. I've always said, and I I don't want to use any company in particular, but over the course of my career, I always watch how a company treats other employees. Because I always said, how you did him or her will eventually be how you do me. If there is some cryptic email which comes across my desk and says, so-and-so is no longer here, do not ever speak his or her name, they are the devil, then I'm going to assume that one day, regardless of how I felt about that person, there will be an email similarly themed, but just in connection with me. So let me relate it to this president. If I see this president and I'm working with him or under him, if I see this president fire James Comey in a certain way, if I see him dissolve certain councils in a dismissive way and not with the requisite respect, if I see him have all this turnover in his cabinet and administration in a way which has been unprecedented, more than any president in the past 50 years, more than double his closest president, which is Ronald Reagan, I think that the turnover in this administration has been um, about 37%, if I'm not mistaken. I think Ronald Reagan was maybe 27%, if I'm not mistaken. But I know that President Trump and his administration, the turnover has been the most. If I were working with him or under him, I'd be very concerned how I might be dismissed from the administration, how I might be characterized in the media. And this president has never had any problem with embarrassing people or letting them twist in the wind before firing them. I don't know that it helps him in a a legislative sense. I just know that when you have people leaving your employ, it's better that they leave as friends or at least not as enemies at the minimum. Because eventually those enemies out there will have enough information in which they can harm you or at least hurt you in a way which keeps you from getting your other business done. Just out of selfish self-preservation, it would make sense to just end on better terms. Not because they you owe it to them, not because you don't have the right to fire someone however you want. It's just good business because you never know when you might need something from them or you might need them to not do something which is harmful to you. Or karma. What comes around goes around. Yeah. It, it's like, you don't have to fire someone by FedEx, so why would you? Because you can? No, that's not a good enough reason. Because now you have all these people out there with knowledge of your inner workings who are then your opposition. And I think this president needs as many friends as he can get even if he disagrees. 
This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. KFI AM640. More stimulating talk. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by ABC News correspondent Mary Alice Parks. We're going to go over some of these issues and get her thoughts about how Washington is feeling about this latest dismissal by the president. KFI AM640, more stimulating talk. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon. And as we continue our Swamp Watch, I'm joined on the line by Mary Alice Hart. She is ABC News correspondent, more specifically national political reporter for ABC News. Mary Alice, how are you this afternoon? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's it's strange. I was hearing about the president who went golfing all of a sudden. It turned into a New York Times interview. What what happened there? I mean, was it a scheduled interview or was it really that impromptu as presented? It seems like it was really impromptu, very casual. The president basically just pulled aside the New York Times reporter uh, and conducted a, a sort of wide-ranging, free-flowing interview just at the golf course's restaurant with no aides around. Uh, pretty unprecedented, but you never know with this president. Out of that interview, I've seen some of the quotes um, I've seen that the president was adamant in terms of there not being any collusion. How has that landed, do you think, for his supporters in terms of doing an interview with the New York Times? Sure. You know, he's been adamant that there was no collusion between his campaign and uh, Russia for, for months. I mean, that for, since the beginning, that has been their statement. And he often talks about that and brings that up in um, all conversations with the press. But it was striking just how often he hit that point. Uh, even when not asked about it, he returned back to it in a 30-minute interview, said there was no collusion over 16 times. Uh, you know, but one thing I think is interesting in that interview was where he really started to blur the line between fact and fiction when it came to um, how far along those investigations have, have, have gone. You know, he said mm-hmm. that there is just no evidence. They have found no evidence. And while it's true that they have not found any evidence yet, when you talk to lawmakers here in Washington, both Democrats and Republicans say often that they think the investigations have unveiled enough that they are worthy and they should keep going. And uh, we still have very robust investigations underway on Capitol Hill and the Justice Department. Alongside of that, there is the news that President Trump had fired his HIV AIDS counsel via FedEx letter. How is that being received on Capitol Hill? Yeah, that's a real talker right now. Um, it's interesting uh, considering the timing over the holidays. It's odd. A lot of questions about whether this, this was planned. Um, it's really common for these White House committees to uh, to have turnover and rollover. A lot of the, the members of that committee were Obama appointees. So the idea that a new administration would come in and want their own people, that's not strange. Uh, what is strange is that they had a year to change overhands, that um, – Scientists and other health care advisors tend to be not so political. So you can imagine if you were an advisor and you had kept your post for the last year, you expected to keep it. Mm-hmm. So the White House is going to continue to face a lot of questions about whether this means they are, in fact, um, just changing over hands of this committee or, or in some way dissolving this committee altogether. And that would be a much bigger story. That was my next question. I would be curious to know whether this administration 
feels that HIV and AIDS is as still important in terms of the larger discussion of health in the United States than previous administrations. Has there been any indication outside of this council being uh, dissolved, at least for the time being, that HIV and AIDS is on the agenda for this administration? You know, it's definitely not something that's talked about um, as frequently as it was with past administrations. You know, we've heard this president talk a lot more about the opioid crisis, for instance, um, and other, I would say, um, uh, sort of healthcare sort of crises that are just just popping up more in the, in the headlines day to day, much uh, sort of less uh, less of a less of an attention and focus mm-hmm. on that issue than we've seen in the past that doesn't mean however that there's been some decision that has been broadcast that that's no longer a priority i think that that would be um huge news and and, and we're nowhere near that i just found it interesting that this would be done so close not only over the holidays, but in close proximity, in my mind, to World AIDS Day, when people are a little bit more, I'll say, aware of HIV and AIDS and what's going on in the world in terms of transmission rates and the following. That would be my thing. Going forward, is there anything else that people are talking about in regard to the president? I should say, are people more talking about this HIV and AIDS council and the way in which it was dismissed or things like China and his recent comments about China uh, blatantly selling oil to North Korea, as it were. Yeah, that's been a big talker, too. Um, the other, you know, I was really struck in that interview that uh, that we were just talking about, the New York Times interview. It seemed that the president really didn't have a lot of details um, on that issue. He was asked whether the picture that he tweeted was a recent picture or from months ago, and he didn't answer that directly. Um, he also didn't answer directly what he would do in response. He has said, basically, that he's gone light and easy on China when it comes to trade because uh, he wanted China's help with North Korea. He, as his tweet suggested, and he says in the interview that he doesn't feel like China's offered enough help on the North Korea issue. But what's next? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. What, what, how could that really change the relationship? And what, what actions can the president really uh, take to, to put more pressure on China? Those are still big question marks. And so a lot of people talking about that, um, sort of pontificating on that topic. The other big talker, I would say, today in Washington was the president's tweets on DACA and help for DREAMers. Again, the president saying that, that any deal um, to help those 800,000 uh, residents would not come unless there was also a wall built on the Mexican-American border. So that will surely be a big part of Congress' attention when all members get back here to Washington next week. Oh, great. More gridlock for 2018. Look forward to it. Quite possibly. But I think that there are there are both Democrats and Republicans that really want to see something go through on that issue. Um, you know, it's, it, it is one issue that has sort of the ingredients there for a bipartisan solution. Whether or not they can actually make that happen, uh, we'll see. But, um, but a lot of people do want to see some solution for those dreamers. She is Mary Alice Parks, national political reporter for ABC. Mary Alice, thank you for all of your insight, and we'll be looking forward eagerly to eagerly to see what happens in 2018. <laughs> yes, thanks so much. This is the Gary and Shannon Show. Mo Kelly in for Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk.